to go visit his house and uh, his studio, go see the work he was doing, and um, you know, and just seeing the, you know, the houses that he was doing. He was doing some things that you know most people, uh, most houses that were being built at the time. Uh, just, you know, nobody was doing what he was doing. Anyway, yeah. so that was a really big inspiration. Hey, Islanders, and welcome to episode 174 of the Camino Voice. Today, I'm speaking with the owner of Designs Northwest Architects. Please welcome Dan Nelson. Hi, I'm Brandon Erickson, and you're listening to the Camino Voice Podcast, where I interview local business owners, comedians, singers, and more. I dive into their backstory to find out how they got where they are, what are some of the tips for you to do the same, and find out where they are going. Tune in every week as I interview more of the people you see every day. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Camino Voice, where we release a new episode every Tuesday. Uh, hope you guys had a great week. Um, happy Easter, uh, late Easter. I guess that was, uh, you know, earlier this week on Sunday. Um, but yeah, hope you guys had a good Easter. Um, <laughs> we had a, a good Easter. We had a, a hang out with my family and, and my mom was able to come and visit. Um, so, um, uh, you know, that all went really well. Uh, the kids are getting so big now that, uh, the older ones hid the eggs for the younger ones. And so that was great. Um, so we didn't have to go out into the rainy, windy weather, um, which was great. And we just got to watch and enjoy from the safety of the house. Um, but you know, no Easter would be, um, complete without a visit to the emergency room, um, which ended up being just fine. Um, it was for our youngest and, um, we thought he just, we thought something was happening. It wasn't. And, uh, um, well, maybe it was happening. I don't know. Anyways. Between the, the medicines, he was fine. So uh, he's doing well, but, you know, just a, uh, you know, you know, typical ending to a, to a good day. So, um, yeah, so that was my weekend. Hope you guys had a slightly better weekend than that. Um, hope you guys enjoyed the, uh, all the festivities that, that are around Easter. And, um, yeah, so I'm going to stop talking about that now. <laughs> All right. Um, so today I get to interview Dan Nelson, who is the owner, as I mentioned, the owner of Designs Northwest Architects uh, in Sandwood. Uh, it's that beautiful building as you're, you know, kind of right across from Twin City. It stands out. Uh, I'll put it that way. Uh, and it's got the Casera Gallery um, below it as well. Um, but I was super excited to interview him because uh, he is one of the, with my dad, worked on the design of Camino Commons. So obviously the Camino Commons is where I'm located and where my business is. And I'm just so, uh, I was so excited to be able to interview him just because it has so much meaning to hear as the complex and why it was designed the way it was and, and all of those pieces. So I was really looking forward to it and it did not disappoint. Um, great getting to know Dan. Um, he, he kept telling me, it's like, you know, last time I saw you, you were yay high, you know, very small running around. <laughs> so that was probably the last time we had interactions together was when my dad was actually building this place. So um, really fun to see him. Also, another funny uh, connection is that our pastor uh, actually worked as an architect, as an intern for uh, Dan Nelson's office. And then he ended up doing a little bit of architecture work uh, before deciding to become a pastor. So 
Um, lots of connections to Dan Nelson and Designs Northwest Architects. Um, and so we kind of go off on all sorts of different tangents here. Um, but the other thing that really stood out to me is, uh, and I've said this before in, in my podcast, <clears throat> I'm always inspired by people who love what they do. Um, and, and not only that they've enjoyed it and they've enjoyed the, the field that they're in, but Dan has been the owner of Designs Northwest Architects uh, and working with the company before he owned it um, for, I think, 31 years now, um, maybe more, and uh, still loves what he does. Uh, he's like, I don't ever, he, he mentions it in the podcast, that he's like, you know, I probably should be looking at retirement, but I love what I do. Um, and he just loves architecture and loves studying it and learning more and um, just continuing to learn. And so I love when I get to talk with those people because they inspire me that, um, you know, work doesn't have to be something that we dread or something that we're like, oh, we got to go do this again. Um, but really, it's something that we can really be passionate and enjoy and bring a lot of, get a lot of joy out of it, uh, out of the work that we do. So um, I hope that's an encouragement for you guys uh, out there. Um, but yeah, without further ado, here's my conversation with Dan Nelson. Hey, Islanders, and welcome to another episode of the Camino Voice. Today, I'm here with the owner of Designs Northwest Architects. Welcome to the podcast, Dan Nelson. Yeah. Hi, Brandon. Uh, happy to be here. Yeah. Absolutely. So before we get started, tell us a little bit about Dan. Sure. Yeah. Well, I grew up in Everett, Washington, okay. so I'm fairly local. And uh, as a boy uh, growing up, we made a lot of trips to Camino Island, so um, I had a very... Uh, fond connection to Camino, and um, as I grew up and uh, graduated from high school, graduated from Everett High School, uh, went on to get a, a bachelor's degree, liberal arts degree in philosophy, actually, okay. from, yeah, from <laughs> Pacific Lutheran University. And as I was, uh, well, I think I was a junior, somewhere between my junior and senior year uh, at PLU, I decided what I really wanted to do was be an architect. I decided to make that leap. And so I finished uh, my senior year and then um, applied to an architecture school back east called the Boston Architectural Center. Okay. And the reason I went there is because it had night classes. So I could actually study architecture at night and work during the day. And so um, I applied to the BAC and was accepted. And uh, I worked for a year between graduating from PLU and, and going to architecture school in Boston. And then to save some money uh, to make the trip and pay the first uh, year of tuition. And then uh, so went out to Boston and got a bachelor's of architecture degree from mm -hmm. the Boston Architectural College. Now, okay. It's now called the Boston Architectural College. And uh, so I had a bachelor of architecture degree from there. Work, again, I, uh, it took me four years to get that degree, and then I worked in offices during the day. Okay. And I uh, did all of my courses at night, all my design courses, Ooh. all my, yeah, all my history <laughs> and theory and structure, all that stuff I, I uh, studied at night in the evening. And so I'd work in an office, and then I'd get done with uh, work around five-ish, and then took the uh, subway into the back bay of Boston, where the Boston Architectural Center was located. And I uh, would then spend two or three hours at the school, you know, taking de design studios and 
theory, history, structures, and then I'd go home, get on the subway and head home to wherever, uh, Brighton or wherever we were living at the time. And I'd spend another couple hours doing my work, doing wow. my design, yeah, design plus <laughs> stuff. So I wouldn't go to bed till like two o'clock in the morning, a lot of times, one or two o'clock. And then I'd get up at whatever, seven and go into an office and work and then do it again. But you know, I really loved it. Yeah. It was like when I uh, went to, to Boston and started architecture school, it was like I really found what it is that I was meant to do. Yeah. It was like a calling. So, yeah. So that's a little bit of history there. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. So I want to jump back. You mentioned uh, you were visiting Camino as you were growing up. Yeah. Did your family have a cabin out here or what no, was your connection? No, not a, not a cabin, but my dad was a fisher, you know, fisherman, liked to clam and... Uh, crab and all that, and so we'd make the trip from Everett. You know, he had a boat, and we'd launch down at uh, what would be the old marina. It's not a marina anymore. But it's the I think it's the yacht club now. But oh, okay, yeah, there was actually a uh, there was a place to launch a boat, and so that's where we'd launch and um, or the state park. So we'd go to the state park, and then in Boy Scouts we'd camp at the state. state oh, okay. Park. So yeah, so that's my connection. Yeah, you know, my initial uh, connection. To yeah. Camino. Very cool. Yeah. You were a you were a Boy Scout as well then. I was. Yeah. Okay. Did you complete? And, uh, I didn't become an, an. I didn't become a an Eagle Scout. Okay. No. An Order of the Arrow. So. Okay. Like, Got it. That was uh, that was the extent of my. <laughs> yeah. I yeah uh, yeah I didn't become an Eagle, but it was great. It was a great experience. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. My uh, my friend. Uh, I did Boy Scouts growing up, and, yeah. and then we ended up. We did end up getting, or I did fi- end up finishing my Eagle Scout. Um, but I had uh, a friend who did um, order the arrow as well. Uh, yeah, and, yeah. Um, we yeah. were just talking about how strange that some of the steps along that path were. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. It was all good experience. It was though. fun though. Yeah, but I was a competitive swimmer. Okay. Uh, so when I, from the time I was about eight yep. years old, and so. Um, I kind of got to the point where I had to decide between Boy Scouts, continuing on, or swimming. Yeah. Working pretty hard at that. And so I chose the path to focus on swimming and, and, uh, Anyway, so that's what took me there. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Very cool. Do you yeah. continue to do a lot of swimming to this day? Uh, you know, not so much. Yeah. After I got out of high school and went to college, I was actually on the crew team. Okay. So I picked up crew okay. rowing when I went to PLU, and that was, uh, again, that was back in the uh, early 70s. Okay. So early 70s, mid-70s, um, made the switch. Yeah. And so I was uh, part of the crew team for three years at PLU. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Very cool. Yeah. What was, um, <laughs> you went and got your degree in philosophy. Yeah. What? Pushed you or led you in that direction in the beginning? Yeah. Well, uh, to philosophy. Yeah. Uh, well, um, you know, I just felt when I graduated from high school that it was important to go to college. And so my brother and I were the first generation in my family yeah. to get a college degree to go to college. And so, um, I, you know, I didn't really, when I graduated from high school, you know, I kind of thought, well, you know, what do I want to do? And architecture was a vague idea at the time and so I thought oh, I'll just I'll go to a really good school study liberal arts you know philosophy is kind of in that you know it's in the liberal arts vein get a yep. general education and then figure out what I want to do and then my uh, between my sophomore and junior year uh, 
at uh, PLU, I uh, decided to take a trip uh, to Europe with okay. a friend of mine, uh, my roommate at PLU, Marv Kwame. And so uh, we decided to take like a three-month trip. This was again back in like 1973, but it would be 50 years ago. <laughs> it was like 50 years ago, 1973. Wow. very cool. Marv and I decided to take a semester off from PLU and go to Europe. And so we planned our trip. We got URL passes, and it was kind of a combination of uh, URL and um, hitchhiking a bit, uh, kind of on the hippie trail at the time, you know, <laughs> through Europe. And so that trip uh, to Europe was a really um, enlightening experience. And so going to Europe and just seeing the architecture and the culture and just being exposed to so much, um, you know, again, just the culture that was there uh, really inspired me to kind of think more seriously about architecture again. Okay. Um, another, you know, talking in terms of influences and, and how it kind of led to my path towards architecture was uh, my uncle. So okay. my uncle, who, uh, my uncle Franny, uh, lived in Everett as well. And he was really a tremendously creative guy. And he was an, an amazing artist. Uh, he did watercolors, like oils, acrylics, carved statues. He was just an amazing artist. And he is also a builder. Okay. And so growing up, occasionally, you know, with my dad, we'd go visit one of his job sites. And he would do a lot of his own designing. And so he designed some really uh, interesting, pretty cool, what I would call mid-century modern, you know, back in the 60s. So this mm -hmm. would have been in the 60s. And he, um, and so he would design built, and he designed these really cool mid-century modern-ish uh, houses. And uh, we'd go visit his job site. And then he had this, you know, he had a studio, an art studio in his basement. And it was always so inspiring to me growing up. You know, that was a real yeah. pattern. That was a real inspiration for me to go visit his house and uh, his studio, go see the work he was doing and, um, you know, and just seeing you know, the houses that he was doing. He was doing some things that, you know, most people, uh, most houses that were being built at the time, uh, just, you know, nobody was doing what he was doing. Anyway, yeah. so that was a really big inspiration. So that trip to Europe. And then just, you know, going back and thinking about, you know, my experiences, uh, influences with my uncle, you know. So I got back from that trip and, and I announced to everybody, my wife, who at the time was my girlfriend at <laughs> PLU, I announced to Debbie that, uh, you know, I'm going to be an architect. I'm going to go to architecture school. And it shocked everybody <laughs> because I had no... Uh, you know, no hint that that's something I was interested in. So at my senior year, I finished PLU, and then, again, I applied to architecture school yeah. back east and got in. And um, uh, like I said, it was like I found my calling Yeah. You know, when I did that. Yeah. Sure. Well, and, and you said it was another four years. Was that because you were working and doing school, or was yeah. it another, like, did you basically start completely over on No, I didn't start completely over. Yeah. You know, I had the liberal arts 
mm-hmm. piece, you know, uh, classes taken care of. But yeah, because I was going working during the day and yep. classes at night, you know, you can only do so much. Right. <laughs> you were doing <laughs> a little I bit already. To, yeah, I was already <laughs> doing some. So yeah, that's why it took okay. a little bit longer. Yeah, that four years. And then when I finished uh, uh, the Boston Architectural Center, I had a bachelor's degree in architecture. And uh, because I was working there in the day and doing my studios and, and classes and all at night, um, I really wanted to take a year and just focus on design. Okay. And so then uh, Columbia University in New York had a one-year master's degree that focused on building design. And so I uh, applied for that when I graduated from, PL- from uh, the BAC, Boston Architectural College. Mm-hmm. I applied to Columbia and got into their, that studio, the uh, building design studio at Columbia. Okay. And so then that took us down to Manhattan, and I spent three years uh, in uh, New York. Okay. Uh, one year with the uh, design studio, the building design uh, curriculum. At Columbia, and so I have a master's of in architecture and building design from Columbia University. Okay. And uh, so then I worked for an office in New York for a year after that, and um, then after I I worked um, for a year in New York, and then I got a uh, the Boston Architectural College had a traveling scholarship that. Um, that after a year, a year after or two after graduating from the BAC, um, there's, they had a traveling scholarship. They had a stipend they would give graduates yeah. to go traveling somewhere in the world. So okay. I applied for that, and <laughs> I got so I was awarded the Ames Traveling Scholarship, is what I think it was called at the time. And so I had proposed to take a trip to Egypt. Oh, cool. And uh, study Islamic architecture. And so I worked a year at, uh, for a big office in New York after graduating from uh, Columbia. And then I uh, got this traveling scholarship. And uh, so I had planned to go to Egypt for three months. And so my wife and I planned the trip, and I had to do a whole uh, proposal, yep. right, to what I was going to study, what I was going to do. And so then um, we did it. We went to Egypt, and wow. I did a lot of uh, drawing. And so okay. one thing I do a lot of, and uh, today even, you know, we, I'd just uh, taken a trip to Italy in October, and while I was there, I did a lot of drawing. So when I travel, I take my pens and my watercolors, and I do a lot of drawing. And so when nice. I went to Egypt for the three months, or... Um, we, uh, I did a lot of drawing and sketches. Okay. So when I came back from that trip, I did a presentation of my work, of my drawing, all that stuff at the Boston Architectural College. Yeah. So then, uh, yeah, so then that, after that trip, I ended up um, going back to New England. I went back to Salem, Massachusetts, uh, and worked for a small um, architecture office, four people, four or five. Okay. People who then they uh, the office was called Demarco Jarek and Charlie Demarco uh, was kind of the guy that uh, it was a big influence on yeah. me, a real inspiration as well. And um, they did a lot of what I call New England houses. Uh, Salem is north of Boston, near Ipswich, Marblehead, Ipswich, the North Shore of Boston, and you know, and it's in that area has a really rich history of um, what I call shingle-style houses. Okay. 
And so the firm, the office I worked for, did a lot of um, houses like that. So we did a lot of shingle-style houses and, and a, you know, and that style. So yeah. right from the very beginning, this was like, would have been 83, so 40 years ago or so, um, uh, I started doing houses, okay. designing houses. And yep. I've been designing houses my entire <laughs> career. Even, you know, it's like, that's what I do. You know, we design houses. And yep. I'd say 80% at least of our workload is custom houses. Okay. Um, so I worked there for four years. And... Um, uh, we had a great experience, and then a recession, a big recession hit uh, in the early 90s. It would have been late, like 89, 1990, a big okay. recession hit. And um, we also, convergent with that, had our daughter, Margo, we had our okay. first child. And so it was a combination of having a recession and um, having a baby <laughs> that led us to move back to... Uh, to this area, okay. back to the Northwest. Yeah. And so then, you know, in our thought process, when we were planning to move back, um, you know, considering where should we move, what should we do, should we move to Seattle, get a job, you know, in an architecture office in Seattle, or, you know, should we try to do something different? And so I decided that I really wanted to move to some place uh, more rural, yeah. And again, talking to my uncle, who at the time was obviously still alive, you know, kind of talking about careers and what uh, what a good place to move to would be. He said, you know, Dan, if I were your age and I were starting new, if I were starting all over again, I would move to Camino Island. Because, you know, he had fun there. You know, it's like that connection as well. So I thought, wow, well, let's check it out again. So here we are, you know, 20 years after the fact, you know, coming back to Camino and my wife and I drove around. And thought, well, you know, this could work. You know, this would be a good place to move to. You know, it was really undeveloped like, compared to what yeah. it is now. It was pretty uh, rural. Uh, but uh, so we made the decision to move to Camino. And that's what brought us here. So we moved nice. back from, uh, we moved from Salem, Massachusetts to Camino Island. I, uh, we lived with my parents for the first year we moved back, and we built a little house. That did you we, design your own house? I did. Yep. I did. I didn't have any money. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it was a pretty, uh, I had to be pretty cost conscious. Uh, so I built a little house, and I've been working on it for, 50, for whatever, 40 years. I've been working, I'm still working on it. So I'm doing, an I'm doing an ADU right now okay. above my garage. Wow. And so I'm always working on my house. So I built this little house, and over the years, I have added on to it, and I've remodeled and added on, and, and um, I always seem to be working on something. And sometimes I like to joke that um, I, uh, it's falling, up, uh, falling apart faster than I can finish it, but not really, not really falling apart. It's just I'm always working on it. Yeah. I'm always working on it, doing something. And same spot I've been at, you know, since 1990, 91. Wow. Very yeah, cool. so when we moved here. But it's a, it's a new house every few years. That's so. a new house every few years. Yeah, it's always morphing. It is. It's like a work in progress. It's always a work in progress. Some people move but to new houses. You just build the new house. I just keep going. Yeah, I keep going. Well, I really like the spot. Yeah, you know, where we are on Camino here. And, um, you know, in the house, it's kind of cool. You know, it's a different, it's, um, it's very eclectic. Yeah. In terms of my own house, what I do and how it looks and all that stuff. But, it's, you know, I enjoy, um, I enjoy working on it. 
you know, believe it or not. People <laughs> ask me what my hobby is, and it's like, well, working on my house. Yeah. Are you working on my house, or, but also art. You know, I do a lot of drawing again, painting, and being creative is a big, you know, part of who I am and what I do. So anyway, yeah. uh, we moved to Kameno. And um, at the time, there weren't any architects in this area. Right. And uh, so when I moved here, when you know, I first came out to scout Kameno out from Massachusetts, um, I met Ken Miley. Ken Miley was a building designer okay. on Kameno. And Ken worked by himself. And he had previously the uh, previously worked with a building designer named Perry Holdsworth, and Perry was from the '60s. Okay. So there was kind of this lineage, I guess, from the <laughs> '60s. Perry Holdsworth and Ken Miley was a building designer, and so when I, uh, you know, when we moved here, I stopped in to see Ken and asked him about the prospects of. Um, uh, being an architect here, making a living, and and uh, you know being able to survive, you know, as an architect, because again, it was pretty rural at the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. And so Ken was like, "Wow," he says, "You know, I am so busy." He actually he was so busy. This was like 1990, 91. Uh, in New England, there was a big recession, and um, and so then it's kind of like I went from this region that was like no work at all, and. I, I, we moved to Kameno. I stopped in to see Ken, and he literally unplugged his uh, answering machine at the time because he was getting so many <laughs> phone calls for job for projects. So anyway, we uh, created a partnership uh, where you know I came in and and started working with Ken. Okay. And also it was the two of us, Ken and and myself, and we worked together um, for you know seven years or so. Nice. And then after seven years. Um, uh, he decided to retire. It was about seven years or so. He decided to retire, and and so I bought him out and uh, changed. It was, he actually came up with the name Designs Northwest. Really? Yeah, okay. he did. Yeah, so it was kind of nice. like a holdover from Ken's uh, time as a building designer. So then I took Designs Northwest and added architect okay. to it. Call it an architecture office. And then, as I say, you know, Ken retired, and I bought him out, and... Uh, that was the beginning of uh, Designs Northwest Architects. Okay. And uh, so then uh, that was probably 97, <laughs> mid-90s, 98, when that happened. And uh, so then we just kept going. So we were working out of a, a building across the street from Cascade Lumber okay. uh, at the time. It was yeah. an old, old uh, teardown type building. And it literally got torn down a few years after we started working together okay. because they widened Highway 532. Yeah. So when they did that, they, they tore the building down that we were in. And so then we moved over to um, uh, a house just to the west of Cascade Lumber. I think there's a hairdresser in there now or okay. chiropractor, hairdresser. So we moved into there, and that's where we had our second office was... Um, uh, in that house, in that building. And, th and that is where I met your father. That's where I met Jeff. Okay. Yeah, Jeff Erickson. Yes. That's where your dad... So your dad, this was 25 years ago, yep. moved from Arizona. Yes. Right? And he had a reprographics company yep. in Arizona. And uh, at the time... So he's moving... He moved to Camino Island. Right. right? And he had all these blueprint machines. <laughs> and so he had all these blueprint machines. And I think it was just about the time that the digital 
you know, uh, reprographic uh, yeah. machines were coming into, you know, starting to get going. Yes. And so yeah. he had all these blueprint machines. And so he stopped into our office one day, cold, you know, cold call, stops in and he's, you know, introduces himself and says that uh, he's moving up here from Arizona and uh, he had a bunch of blueprint machines and wanted to know if we wanted to buy one. And so I think, uh, Ken and I got to thinking, and what we did, ended up doing was starting our own reprographics business okay. in Mount Vernon, called the Blueprint Company. Oh, okay. And so we uh, bought a few, couple, I don't know, two or three machines from your dad, from Jeff, and uh, started a reprographics blueprint company business up in Mount Vernon. Okay. And so then, after a while, my wife <coughs> Debbie and a friend of ours, Jim Jones. Uh, took that over. Okay. And so that they went on to uh, do become the blueprint company and do reaper graphics for whatever twenty years, which they retired from and sold right as the pandemic hit about three years ago. Really? Yeah. So, okay. And they sold that to another reaper graphics business. So that was kind of a side deal. Yeah. Uh, after having met your dad. Okay. Jeff, right. And so that was how we got to know each other. Yeah. Initially. And then uh, when it comes to Camino Commons, mm -hmm. you know, and how I got involved with Camino Commons, um, so we uh, uh, had known your dad for a while, and we were actually, we had a booth at the, it was like, it might have been the second year, it was like in the very early years of the uh, chili chowder cook-off. Oh, yes. Right? Yep. Yeah. And so chili it was like two or three yep. years into that. We had a booth, and we, you know, everybody's milling around. Your dad comes over, right, to me and says, Dan, he says, I've got a really exciting uh, project that I want to talk to you about. And I go, wow, that sounds cool. Let's talk. And so, I don't know, next week or whatever, he comes in, and he s describes how he was going to um, buy the property for Commando Commons, where we are now. Yeah. And create a what he called a third place. Yes. You know, the whole concept of the third place. Yeah. And that he was roasting coffee beans in his garage. Or, you know, he had a, wherever you guys had lived. Yep. Yeah, 25 yep. years ago. He started <laughs> as a, I don't know, as a side deal to roast coffee beans. So yep. he's roasting coffee beans in his garage or shop or wherever. The barn, yeah. A barn, yeah. <laughs> okay, it was it. the barn. Yeah, it was the barn. And so he's roasting coffee beans in the barn. And he decided he wanted to uh, buy this property. This is how I remember it anyway. Uh, and um, start roasting the beans here, right, yep. locally. But then as part of that, he wanted to have a whole coffee uh, coffee shop and uh, what, I, you know, what he called the third place. Yes. And, and just so listeners are aware of that, because yeah. it's a term that I think has kind of fallen out and people don't use it as much. Do you want to explain kind oh, of what sure. a third place is? Yeah, sure. I guess it isn't used as much. But yeah, a third place is that. It's like Starbucks, I guess, was kind of the original concept behind third place was a place um, where folks go to gather to, to um, um, have coffee and, and uh, just enjoy being with each other. That's not the home. So you have the home. And then we have the, you know, the sort of the public realm. We have work and the public realm. But then the third place is where you go to um, hang out with friends and, um, you know, have lunch and have coffee and just, uh, you know, sit with your laptop and, 
and do your work, but there's people milling around. And so that's, that's the third place. Yeah. And so at the time, I guess that was kind of a new term back yeah. in the early 90s. Yeah. Was the third place. And there was a bookstore called the Third Place Books. Yes. Yeah. I don't know if they're still around. Yeah, they're still in existence. Are they still? Yeah. yeah. And so the whole concept, I think, with Third Place Books was <laughs> you could go have a coffee, look through the book. You know, go look for books, you know, hang out, and then sit and have a coffee, kind of browse through, browse through the books and magazines, and that was a third place. Yeah. And your dad wanted to reproduce that concept here on Camino Island. Yeah. And so uh, so that's, he came to us and said, this is uh, my concept, and we want it to be really cool, and we want to have it to be a community center. Yeah. And um, be a focal point for Camino Island because we didn't really, um, you know, have that here. Again, we were early 90s. We were just starting to get more population and grow. Um, and so that was also about the time that um, uh, Freedom Park. So it was a, coale- a whole uh, coalition. Coalition? Anyway, yeah. it, co- it coalesced yes. around the yeah, fact yeah. that <laughs> your dad wanted to do this third place community center. Uh, Freedom Park was um, coming around. So uh, at the time, this whole corner was um, owned by... Um, Coal and Coal. They were a grocery store chain. Okay. And so they uh, uh, wanted to sell this property, get rid of it. And a group of um, community-minded folks got together, went to Coal and Coal, and proposed that they actually gift part of the the corner here, Terry's Corner, as a park. And uh, they, uh, so that's what happened. Coal and Coal actually did gift part of this. Terry's Corner yep. to uh, Freedom Park. Yeah. And then your dad bought this hunk here. Yeah. And um, then the Department of Transportation bought a hunk. And then we also did the, uh, the uh, where uh, the Camino Arts Association is now, you know, at yep. the corner. We did that little kiosk yeah. building out there. So it all happened about the same time. Yeah. So it all kind of coalesced. <laughs> <laughs> we got it. Yeah, I got it this time. Uh, it all coalesced and uh, created this whole Terry's Corner complex at pretty much at the same time. Yeah. So it all came together. And, and so that's how we got involved. Um, and so the concept behind uh, the Camino Commons here is kind of, a, you know, I call it an old world concept. Yeah. Um, you know, it's you see, uh, you know, it's like a plaza, right? And so yes. the concept is you have the community plaza where all the uh, social activities take place. And yeah. then we have the various buildings, you know, so we located the retail buildings around this commons area, around yeah. the plaza. Yeah. And so it's an old world concept, you know, that we uh, worked with to create a new um, contemporary uh, design for contemporary living and and all that, and then so we incorporated the uh, coffee roaster building, you know, for your dad's uh, coffee roaster, Camino Coffee Roasters. Yeah. And then we had the marketplace, and so yeah, so that's how it all developed. Yeah. That's how we got started with it. That's very cool, and yeah. I think that um, that piece is so neat the, because this this style, the way this is laid out, uh, the complex is laid out. It's just so unusual. You you really don't see it much, especially in the U.S. Right. When you go to um, Central America and stuff yeah. like that, you'll right. see it a South lot more. Right. South America, common. Mexico. Yeah. Yep. South America. 
Yeah, and that's why I say it's an old world concept. You yeah. know, and your dad was like totally on board with it. It might have even initially it might have been his idea. <laughs> <laughs> I probably sat down and yeah, we have the original sketch, I think we did, and it was like he probably had the idea of having a plaza and you know, the building surrounding the plaza and then the parking on the outside. Yeah. You know, sort of layering yeah. from inside out. Yeah. And um, to create this sense of community. Yeah. Um, so, it was, yeah, that was a combination of your dad and me and just brainstorming probably. And yeah. It's been a while. It's been, so. <laughs> it's been a little bit. Yeah, it's been a little, 25 years or whatever. Um, so, yeah, so that's how this all got started and how I met your dad and how we connected and yeah. And all that good stuff. Yeah. So when you were looking at, because uh, obviously that's a, that's like a, a base level of like, this is the idea of what we want to look like. Yeah. Where did you come up with kind of the theme, the style of the buildings, you know, being metal, most sure. of the buildings being metal yeah. and all that speed? Sure. Yeah. And again, part of that was your dad. Um, he had seen a uh, project in, I think, Alderwood Manor near the Alderwood Mall that was... It had a bunch. It had corrugated metal and had outdoor spaces with trellises, and it had a real sort of um, you know rural feel to it. It was Alderwood Manor, you know, but so it was kind of suburban, but it had kind of a rural feel to it. And he used that as an example of the type of architecture he was thinking. So again, you know, your dad came to us and he said, Dan. You know, I want to do this really cool complex, and, and you know, I want to use metal pan. And he was ahead of his time, yeah. right? And so, you know, back then, 25 years ago, now, you know, I would say, you know, 80% of the houses we do, we have metal panels and exposed concrete. And the architecture that we're doing now um, was, uh, you know, Commons. We, that was one of the first, this was one of the first projects we did with this style of architecture. That's really cool. Yeah, and your dad came and said, you know, I want to do exposed uh, board-formed art, you know, concrete, Yeah. which is, you know, modern material, modern expression for concrete. He says, I want to do board-formed concrete, and I want to do uh, buildings with uh, corrugated metal. And he said, there's this project down Alderwood Manor that, you know, that I really like, so we take a trip down, we check it out. And so that was the inspiration. Yeah, so your dad actually got us um, kind of, he was one of the first um, clients that we had that actually came to us and said, we want to do something pretty cool that's modern. Yeah. You know, with modern materials, low maintenance and all that. So that was um, how we got going. Yeah, on that. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So then, um, so when you re- we left off on, on your stuff, you were, you guys were in the, the house Right. Commercial building area. Yeah, right. right. So we were in a little, the little house just to the west of, um, of uh, Cascade Lumber. Yeah. Right. And so then um, we had the opportunity uh, to move into Stanwood because we needed more room. You know, we, needed, we were kind of growing. We needed to add some people. Yep. And so uh, I had the opportunity to move into Stanwood where uh, um, Jones and Butler... Uh, had a law office, yeah. Um, you know, in the old part of Stanwood, right on Highway 532, and uh, the, uh, Frank Butler uh, was retiring at the time, and so we had the opportunity to move into his old law office. So we went there and renovated that into a into an architecture office. Okay. And we were there for about three or four years or so, and then. Um, we had the opportunity to 
um, rebuild a section next to Jones and Butler. There, there was an old warehouse mm -hmm. at the time that um, Twin City Food stored their cardboard boxes. Okay. Right, and so during the summers, uh, you know, they would hire hire high school and college kids to go, yeah. you know, with their forklifts and stack boxes. <laughs> and over the years, the uh, call, you know, the uh, columns and the walls got battered, right? The forklifts, <laughs> these kids would run into the columns and they'd run into the walls. And after a while, it really weakened the structural integrity of the warehouse. Yeah. And so one October during a big windstorm, uh, one of the walls blew out. The building collapsed. Whoa. And that was mid-90s again. And so uh, because of that, uh, we had an opportunity to rebuild. So right now, I think it's north. 48 is a real estate office now. Yep. So then uh, we renovated. We rebuilt that section of the block. Mm -hmm. uh, we rebuilt that and, uh, and created our office there. So we were there for about 10 years, I think. Okay. Um, and so in that time, uh, where are my office is now, yeah. uh, the property was a gas station. Okay. Was, I don't know if people remember. Yeah, well, the original gas station building is still there. Okay. Right? Yeah. So, uh, so I had an opportunity about, I don't know now, 12 years ago, to buy that property, and um, and so we bought that property, and uh, shortly after that, 2008 hit, big recession, <laughs> and so that kind of uh, put my uh, goal of building a new building on that lot on hold for a few years. So okay. we had to get through uh, the recession and get kind of get back rolling again, and so. Uh, no, six years ago, I would say now, five or six years ago, we built the building we're in now. Okay. So that, you know, we built that, um, kept the uh, gas station building, which is now a commissary kitchen. Okay. And that's where, um, you know, the barbecue um, food truck yes. prepares their food. And yeah. so that's a commissary kitchen where the old um, uh, gas station building was. Yeah. And uh, then we built our building which we've been in for uh, no, five years, probably. Okay. Yeah, so that's kind of a history of moving around. I think that's my fifth and final office <laughs> and, uh, after this. It's uh, not having any, uh, we're not moving again. Designs yeah. Northwest is where we are. Yeah. Yeah. So well, it's and it's a good. beautiful building. Oh, thank you. It's very yeah. cool. Yeah, it's been fun. It's been, we've gotten a lot of really good um, feedback from it. Um, it's been a really great place to do our work. You know, it's an open studio space, great light, and good, great location. So, yeah, it's been good. It's been really good. Nice. I really enjoy being there. Very cool. Yeah. Um, so another question I wanted to ask, just because um, I feel like I've had a, a fascination with Egypt and different pieces of Egyptian sure. history and stuff. Yeah. Uh -huh. um, but I'm really curious, what were the things that really stood out to you in, in the Egyptian architecture versus the Greek and Italy and... Rome and all that because they're very different, yeah. but they're both from the ancient world. You know, a lot of the styles. Yeah. Well, there's, um, you know, Egypt had several, you know, phases that they went through. The ancient Egyptian um, architecture, culture before the Romans and Greeks, and so like the pyramids and you know the Sphinx, all the old uh, temples, Karnak, and all that. 
Um, so then there was that period that was um, really, you know, fascinating because there's so much there to see. Um, and so we actually, um, you know, it was an interesting trip because we, um, Debbie and I, uh, were part of a small group um, of uh, folks that uh, was part of a group called Overseas Adventure Travel. And I think there were like 12 of us at the time. Okay. And so it was, and we were led by an Egyptologist. And so uh, he organized the trip. And, and part of the trip was we spent, I think, five days uh, floating down the Nile on a uh, felucca. Okay. You know, the traditional sailboats yeah. that sail on the Nile. Oh, very So cool. we spent, I think, five days floating down the Nile, and we'd stop at temples along the way. So it was really interesting to, uh, you know, get firsthand knowledge from the Egyptologist. Bob Breyer is his name. And he's still, he's on YouTube, you know, he does Egyptology uh, uh, discussions on YouTube. Bob Breyer, he's a professor at New York, somewhere in New York, one of the colleges. And so, uh, so we spent like the first, I'm thinking, three or four weeks with him. And then the last part of the trip, Debbie and I kind of went on our own. And we, uh, so what I really was interested in at the time was Islamic architecture. Okay. And so as I was saying, there's the ancient. Uh, pre-Roman architecture. Yeah. And then uh, after that, the Romans and Greeks, actually, the Greeks came mm. with Alexander the Great. Right? Okay. And so then the Greeks came and <clears throat> you started to see Greek temples and, and then the Romans came after that. And so there's a lot of Roman and Greek architecture in Egypt as well. Okay. And so it's a real interesting mix. It's like real interesting. And then Islam, right, in the 600s. Uh, came to Egypt, and yeah. that's when you started to get Islamic architecture. And so um, it's just an amazing, really interesting mix of ancient Egyptian, ancient Roman, Greek, and then Islamic temple, you know, uh, mosques and, yeah. and madrask uh, um, uh, marketplaces, yeah. right? And so, again, that old world concept, yeah. you know, marketplaces... Um, and um, that uh, you would see all throughout Egypt. It's an amazing tr place to go. It's just such a layer of history there. Yeah. So anyway, so I looked at everything. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I looked at, uh, the, you know, like I said, the ancient uh, Egyptian, Roman, Greek, and Islamic work yeah. that was going on at the time. That's awesome. Yeah, it Very was really cool. cool. Really fun trip and uh, real inspirational, obviously, big influence and yeah. And all that. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Have you been able to ever use that in any of your designs over your career? Well, you know, I think part of it is just, um, you know, space, designing space, designing structure. Um, so I, when you study mosques, um, you know, the architecture of the mosque is, um, it's, uh, it's very, col you know, there's, it's a series of columns. Okay. Right? And all of the mosques have a, uh, they face east, right, towards, uh, towards uh, Mecca. Yep. Right? And so um, just that sense of space and the sense of, um, you know, uh, the, the, is, uh, the, the Muslims that had developed, the Romans were the first to develop um, Domes, right? Arches and domes. Okay. So the Romans were the first culture to develop arches and domes. Okay. And then the the uh, Muslims picked up on 
Roman architecture, mm -hmm. and they continued the tradition of building with arches and domes. Okay. And so then the dome in Islamic architecture represents heaven. It represents the dome of the earth. Okay. And so there's a lot of metaphor, yeah. right? There's a lot of metaphors in Islamic architecture. Yeah. And so I think, you know, just working with metaphor, working with themes, um, working with structure and how structure is um, expressed. Yeah. Is part of an inspiration or part of an influence that yeah. you know, uh, if it's subconscious or subliminal yeah. or whatever, um, is there, right? And so again, just even like Camille Commons here, you know, yeah. the idea of having that marketplace in the center, yeah, um, and then having the building surrounding, creating that third place, that sense of space, yeah, you know, is very, you know, that's what you see when you go to places like Egypt. And yeah. you look at marketplaces and you look at how cities developed and evolved. Yeah. And so that's, yeah, so that's what we did here. You know, yeah. so, yeah, so these are all things I think about. That's sure. cool. Yeah. Awesome. Right. Um, what are, uh, you don't have to go into super detail, but yeah. what are some of your high level, like, favorite projects that you've gotten to work on? Yeah, project? you know, uh, I thought about that. Um, you know, uh, every project I work on, is special, right? And yeah. so every client, every project, I really um, value, and it's special to me. You know, it's like having kids, right? <laughs> it's like, you know, every project is like you focus on, and it's really special. Yeah. You know, I thought about that, and um, I would say, you know, uh, I do a lot of projects, right, that have uh, pretty ex uh, extreme environmental challenges. Yeah. Uh, we do a lot of projects, as you were aware. We do a lot of high bluff houses. We do a lot of houses on slopes, okay. unstable slopes, waterfront. You know, we do floodplain <laughs> houses. We do houses um, in um, tsunami zones uh, over, like, in eastern Washington with fire hazards, you know. We're just, so what I've found is that the houses that... Um, have these extreme environmental challenges yeah. lead to creative um, solutions for those challenges yeah. because um, we have this problem to solve, this yeah. problem of how do you design a house or a structure in an area that's, um, that is um, difficult to design in, yeah. right? And so then that tends to lead to solutions that are, can be unusual. Yeah. You know, so, you know, it's like we did a house called the Tsunami House. If, if you see my website, go to my website. I did a house called the Tsunami House, and that was a uh, result of designing a house that was in a, 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 a high-velocity flood zone. And so we had to design it, that house so that we had breakaway walls. The house had to be designed on piers. Uh, there was a whole set of criteria that FEMA, Power Army Corps of Engineers, FEMA, um, required. And so that led to a solution of building the house on yep. concrete columns yep. with walls, aluminum walls. And we bolted the, the aluminum frames with plastic screws so that when a wave, you know, high-velocity wave hit the, you know, the lower level, the walls would break away. And so that was a solution, right? Yeah. Put this house on concrete columns and have these lightweight aluminum frames that can break away. So it led to a pretty interesting house. Yeah. Another house we did was uh, 
called the Saratoga Hill House, and that was on the south end of Kameno. And it was at the base of a steep slope that had a history of, of um, sloughing away. It would have mudslides in that, on that um, beach where yeah. that house was built. It was, a, it was prone for mudslides. And so when the clients came to us and we talked to the county about designing a house there, initially we were told they didn't think we could do that because of the mudslides. Yeah. And uh, so we couldn't do retaining walls to block the mud because yep. you can't let mud slough off to your neighbors. Yep. And so we had just finished the tsunami house where the water came underneath, brought yep. the, you know, the, the uh, frames away. And so I thought, well, if we can do it with water, maybe we could do it with mud, right? <laughs> and so then uh, we went to the county and proposed that we design a house on steel frame yep. high enough so that if there is a mudslide, the mud would flow underneath the house. Yeah. So that led to that solution, right? And so we designed a house that sits up high on a steel frame yeah. on really good um, uh, foundation system, tight foundation system on a steel frame. And then we built the house on top of that. And so that led to that solution. Yeah. Uh, you know, so those are the projects that, um, you know, that they're challenging and they lead to the really interesting uh, um, you know, design solutions. Yeah. yeah so they yeah, come out pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and <laughs> you guys are, you get the, uh, the extra challenge of not just making, designing a solution, but also making it look nice in the process. Cause right. you can always, de- not always, but yeah. usually you can design a solution. Sure. But I, I worked in uh, mechanical engineering for a yeah. few years. Right, and that's right. Yeah, when no, we did right. yeah. uh, stress analysis stuff, like uh-huh. we were working on the tooling side. So right. aesthetics, like it didn't <laughs> have to be aesthetic, it just had to be functional. Right, yeah, straight so, line. Yeah, yeah so engineers are like straight line. <laughs> it's like, let's solve the problem, get on to the next one. Yeah, no, I know. We work with engineers, so uh, we know how that is. Yeah. Well, the joke right. on the on the civil engineering side was, um, was that architects designed the house and then they handed it to the civil engineers to figure out how to make it work. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a joke. Actually. I know. But yeah, no, we try to think about how it's going to work. Right, right? of yeah, course. Yeah, so it's solving a problem, solving a solution, and then, you know, how do you do it elegantly? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And uh, create space. Yeah. You know, create space that <laughs> solves the problem of how people are going to live. Yeah. You know, on that piece of property. Um, you know, looking out to views and how the house flows. So you got to solve, right, all yeah. those issues yeah. of livability as well as the environmental challenge and the engineering part of right. it. So we work very closely, right, yeah. with our engineers to come up with creative solutions. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's, I think it's really yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah, it's fun. Yeah, it's great. I still really love It's like I've been doing architecture for whatever, you know. A few 50, years. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, 40, 40 years, and I still love it. You know, I still love design. I still love the creative process, and, yeah. That's it's awesome. All good. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So with that, what, what do you see as the future of Designs Northwest? Well, you know, that's a good question um, because um, I'm starting to think about transitioning. Um, believe it or not, um, I'm actually going to be 70, <laughs> and... <laughs> couple weeks here so happy early birthday uh, yeah well thanks yeah so you know it's that time for me to kind of be thinking you know about transitions and I'm not planning on retiring soon I'm you know again you know I love what I do I love designing uh but you know I have uh, 13 people that work with me 
you there wow, okay. at Design Southwest. And nice. so we have a great group of people. I have three, actually three people that have been working with me for 20 years. Okay. And so, awesome. yeah, so then as I think about the future and transitioning, incorporating them, you know, uh, employees into the business more yeah. as part of the, you know, uh, the plan. Yeah. And then just, you know, preparing for growth. As you know, um, our region continues to grow, and yep. the project types are starting to see more multifamily type projects, mixed use type projects. Yep. You know, again, I've been doing residential custom houses for whatever forty years, and uh, and um, and so I still see us doing that. We love doing houses; that's kind of our primary thing. But we're also starting to branch out into um, some more community type things. We're Working with um, an office, actually a library, a firm that specializes in library design uh, from Minneapolis, actually, to okay. design. We're helping them with the remodels of several uh, libraries for Snow Isle okay. library system. Yeah. yeah. So we're starting to work on some of those. Uh, we were working on a mixed-use project here in Stanwood. That were um, in the process of designing. Yeah. Um, yeah, a variety of things that, um, yeah, I think are pretty interesting. And then um, we'll keep the Designs North going, I think, for quite a while. Awesome. Yeah. Well, very cool. Yeah. Well, I like to end every podcast with some rapid fire questions. Yeah, sure. So the first one is What purchase of $100 or less have you enjoyed the most in the last three months? Yeah, so here's what it's not something I've purchased. To be honest, I'm going to be uh, honest here. I, I didn't purchase it, it was actually a gift from my office at okay. Christmas time. The office gave me a digital frame. Okay. Right. And so, yeah, I, you know, it was the first time I'd seen, you know, not seen a digital frame, but received, had a digital frame. And so um, I was a little skeptical at first, <laughs> but what I found is because I love to take pictures, right? Yeah. So I draw, I paint, I, you know, creative. But then also when I travel and, and just family stuff, I like to take pictures with my iPhone yeah. and edit them a little bit. And then what I found is I've really enjoyed posting my pictures onto my digital frame. Nice. And I have it in my, I have it in my uh, kitchen. Yeah. And so it's like I said, uh, a few months ago, several months ago, we took a trip to Italy, and I took a lot of pictures of Italy, and I was able to post them on my uh, digital frame, Yeah, and I've just really enjoyed going back and looking at That's that awesome. trip, so it's been good, yeah. Very cool. Right, yeah. Um, who is the most influential person outside of your family in your life? Well, you know, I talked about my uncle, who is in my family, obviously. He was the biggest influence. Yeah. And then, you know, Charlie DeMarco was uh, the first architect, really, that I worked for in Salem, Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he had a little four-person office along with his partner, Ron Jarek. And, um, and um, actually, and that's where Dave Pelletier is an architect here in Stanford. Actually, that's where I met Dave, okay. was in Salem. He was from Salem. And so we actually worked oh, wow. together. Oh, okay. yeah, We worked together for a few years in Salem. And uh, then he... Um, well, I went to architecture school in Oregon, and then after that, we actually worked together here on Camano for okay. a few years. Uh, so, all that being said, Charlie DeMarco was the kind of the design lead for his office, and he was a big influence on me for how to design, what to think about, um, how to kind of run an office. Yeah. yeah so, yes, Charlie DeMarco. Very was cool. A big influence. All right. This is a fill-in-the-blank question. Yeah. I know this is weird, but I've always wanted to blank. 
Well, you know, I thought about that, and I've always wanted to be creative. It's like, you know, it's like, as a, it's just so innate, right, yeah. to be a creative person, and it's just, it's like a drive. It's like a drive. It's like I can't stop doing something or thinking about something that's creative. Yeah. And so, and I love being in creative spaces, studios, and uh, you know, architecture offices and art studios and just that whole sort of realm, that sort of aura of being creative, being in a creative space. And yeah, that's what I've always wanted to do. So yeah. it's like I always tell folks that uh, I feel like one of the, I am one of the luckiest men on the planet because it's like when I think back, it's like when I think back to uh, when I was young and my, uh, you know, like 30 years old, um, you know, it's like, what would my dream be? And my dream would be to work in a place like Camino Island, Stanley Camino Island, and have my own architecture office and do really work with great clients and do beautiful work. And somehow it all came true, right? <laughs> and so it's, uh, yeah. So that's, uh, that's uh, my story there. Yeah, yeah, I think that's awesome. And yeah. I, it was very impressive when I was going back and looking at your your work history and you uh -huh. know uh, as I was researching for the podcast sure. and just yeah. that you have been with I mean obviously you own Design Northwest but just you haven't changed it's just been with that for so long and, and yeah right yeah it's unusual yeah. I think yeah to be doing something for so long yeah right but it went so fast yeah <laughs> it's like you know it just seems like you know not that long ago when yeah. we first got started I was working with Ken and Started doing houses and still doing houses and having working with great people. You know that's, you know that's the main thing. It's like I don't know how many houses and hundreds and hundreds of projects, right? On yeah. Camino and and um, you know and we've just had so many great people to work with. And yeah. I've had such a great um, office, right? My uh, the folks that work with me. Yeah. We just make such a great group, uh, such a great team, and. You know, it's just a very creative place. You know, it's very, um, uh, it's very collaborative. You know, everybody we have, we sit in an open studio space. Yeah. Everybody's working together. Everybody's talking about projects and details and how to solve problems. Yeah. How to go to the county. You know, and so we have a very collaborative, open workspace. And just being in that atmosphere is every day is inspiring it's inspiring to me yeah, yeah. it's good yeah, that's it's so cool. cool yeah all right who's an interesting or fascinating person that i should interview next uh you know i thought about that um carrie do you know carrie richardson do you know carrie richardson i don't know if i do well carrie richardson um lives on Camino, but she was the uh she and her family owned the home center building okay in stanwood and she and her family are the major donors for the um, new um, art center okay. that's going to be built. Yeah. And so she and her family donated the Home Center building. Yeah. And, um, and so, uh, as well as some funding there, some significant funding for yeah. the new art center. And she has a long history. So her great, she would come out from Indiana, I think, um, when she was a girl, when she was young, to visit her grandparents. Okay. Here in Stanwood, Camino Stanwood, and they owned the Home Center building, which at the time I think um, 
might have been a hardware store at the time. Okay. And so she has a lot of fond memories of Stanwood, and, and she's been really involved with, um, and I've worked with her for like 25 years. Okay. Uh, doing projects in West Stanwood, yeah. you know, where the, uh, the Japanese restaurant is, Shima. Yes. Oh, I love Shima. <laughs> yeah, so we did those buildings with Carrie 25 years ago or so, I don't know, a long time. Yeah. And so, uh, so then Carrie has a really great history, you know, of the area, are really interested in the arts and, you know, uh, the new art center coming along. So, you know, I thought maybe if she's up for it. Yeah, to, for sure. You know, she'd be a great person to interview. Awesome. Yeah. All right. And lastly, what piece of advice would you give your 20-year-old self? Yeah, I thought about that. You know, when I was 20, I was pretty introverted. And, um, you know, I think, you know, the thing that I would tell myself, and I tell myself even now, is to, you know, to be open. You know, be open, uh, be willing to listen, uh, to um, be bold, Mm-hmm. You know, don't be afraid to take chances. You know, that's one of the biggest, I think, um, you know, roadblocks to a lot of people is yeah. that sort of fear of jumping into something new, taking chances. Um, because without doing that, you don't, you know, you don't develop, you don't grow. And so yeah. um, to my 20-year-old self would be keep taking chances, keep yeah. being bold and, and be open. And listen, and um, yeah, that's my that's what I would do. That's what I try to do even now. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me on yeah, the podcast sure. today. Yeah, this has been great. I've really enjoyed the uh, the discussion. I think I did most uh, most of the talking. I, which I, I learned so much. I mean, I always take notes uh, through yeah. the podcast, but I my whole pages. I was like, do I have to flip it over? <laughs> well, good. Well, okay. This has been a lot of fun, and yes. I've enjoyed the invitation. Yes. And the discussion. Yes. Thank you so much. Brandon, take care. All right. And Islanders, I will talk to you on the next one. Well, a big thank you to Dan Nelson for joining me on the podcast today. And thank you for listening. If you haven't already, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform. It really helps us be found by other Islanders like yourself. And uh, don't forget to tell your friends and family about the greatest little podcast focused on the Northwest. And I will talk to you guys on the next one. Yes.